Hi, welcome to Game Dev London. I'm Chris Payne, uh, and uh, with me is Mark Drew of Command Studio. Let me um, ooh, let's let's bring Mark on. Um, ah, hello. Hey, I am. <laughs> welcome to. The, welcome I just to thought I'd slide over. I slived in, slid into your podcast. There you go. <laughs> so, um, Mark, um, how long have you been uh, uh, working in the in the games industry? It's quite a while, as I understand. Oh no! Quite opposite. I uh, I am a late bloomer. Oh. I think I got it. I got into it. I got into it. I mean, I I, I crashed the party with fake ID um, like about five years ago, four years ago. Decided to make a game. Stupidly enough, uh, it all started in a barbecue actually, and a friend, some friends of ours, sitting around having a few beers. You know, we should make a game. I've got a great idea for a game. Uh, by the way. Everybody else has gone on with their life and are having happy like lives. I'm the one that's still still around going, <laughs> Yes, let's make that game. You know. So um everybody else, yeah, just like left me and uh I mean in good ways, actually I lie. Like some of my friends have actually gone on to, to careers in game development, but uh not with me. But yeah, so it was a few years back. Um having said that, I actually worked doing some flash games back in the day. I think everyone did. If if you're in in uh, my age, you know, at one point you found Flash and went, "Oh, you can do interactivity." And uh, so I did some some of that. For I think a show called Survivors. Does that ring a bell? You know, the TV show called Survivors. Ring a bell, yeah. People on an island. I don't know if they were eating each other or or or, or what the deal of the game was, but uh, yeah. So we made some Flash games for that. But that was about that was about my my. Um, involvement i found it kind of difficult because as people say so how do you get into the industry and i say like you find the back window and you climb in and nick some some dead guards id or something and they're like no no that's that's metal gear solid that's not how you do it but so bad okay, advice sorry uh, right you know like you know see how far you can get into like ninja ninja theory studios and see how long you can stay going like oh no yeah totally i'm vfx you know? I have worked at studios where um, random people have tailgated others into the offices and done a quick tour of the building, swiping loose uh, wallets off desks and then leaving. The place. Wow! Um, I mean, that's not a plan for a lengthy career in the industry. But well, no, I think um, I think that's to get you blackballed from the industry <laughs> yeah. forever. So. Um, but... What can you tell me about uh, Command Studio then? This is this is your de debut game that you're working on as as an indie then. Uh, yes, it is. It's, okay. it's for, well, I mean, we've we haven't released a couple. We've we've worked through a couple of them, and they're still on the shelf until we have gone into them, and then we realise the scope. As any mm -hmm. indie developer that starts making something, you have a picture in your head on on, on something, and then you go all right, yeah, I can totally do that. And then you start getting into development and then you realize, oh boy, yes, that what I need needs about 100 people and I don't have 100 people. So, yeah. I'm with you. Uh, Even after 20 years in the industry, I have I have done exactly that. Started yes. on something that I know how to do this. Oh, but there's a lot of it. Yeah, there's a lot of it. And it's, and it's past the fun bit. Then when you get into the like, the lots of it, the spreadsheet time. Yeah. Um. If 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 you're watching this and you're thinking of getting into games, there's a lot of spreadsheets involved. Just that no one warned me. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, but for about the last year, we've been developing um, a game called Horror Stories: Welcome Home. Uh, 
in in earnest we've it's actually uh this week we're doing alpha testing with internally so we've got the vert vertical Something. slice is is you know we're about 80 percent there with the vertical slices and like it's all there it's just like a, a few more assets there's a few placeholder assets we we'll have to work on later but it's like now getting feedback from real players out there to see like you know, because we've been living with it for the last nine months or so. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, Welcome Home is is an unsettling exploration game. Um, I, we call it horror stories because we want to do a series of them. And at yeah. the moment, we, we we started with Welcome Home, um, which is about it's set in the eighties and is a a girl going back home to bury her mother's remains. Uh, which are, but then she finds out that the house that she mysteriously is going to was actually been turned into a murder museum because horrific events happened there, and she knows nothing about this, and this is all tied to her family history. So you go and investigate um, what happens in, in in this crazy museum, uh, and yeah, That's it's. it's, it's uh, yeah, and so you can. Uh, there's some time traveling based in it. That so that it's not just a environment exploration. There is like puzzles to solve uh, and time travel between the two two areas of different states of the house. And don't want to say too much just yet no, because no, I don't know no, how no, much I'm going to say. Don't but... give away too much. Uh, but yeah, so um, as how have you found that um, process uh, as uh, as it's your debut game? Um, mm -hmm. Uh, with the studio is it uh is it going uh, more or less how you planned you, you come across any surprises um i think the difference this time is that we, uh, we've hired a good team uh, and uh, that's like 99 percent of anything i think uh before <coughs> the teams that we had were fantastic but i think it was their first game so we all like trying to find our way in the darkness this time uh, Valentina Chrysostomo, who came on board as, as lead designer, has been uh, a guiding light in, in kind of like saying, no, we're not going to do that, or yes, we're going to do that, and estimating and, and seeing how, you know, this month we're, we're focusing on this part, and we've got X amount of months, and this is when we're going to release them. And doing that kind of estimation is fantastic, because mm -hmm. it both leads, it, 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 you know, I didn't. I wanted to make Command Studio a non-crunch studio, but part of it is not just asking people to work really hard. It's also knowing what we're doing, mm -hmm. and we all know what we're doing for the next few months. <coughs> that, makes, that makes all the difference, doesn't it? Is uh, having a um, it, it's being able to to accurately estimate what you can get done in the time available, um, and and knowing yeah. because otherwise, um, I mean, I'm terrible at that. I'm I'm dead against crunch but i keep finding myself having to do it because i'm really poor at estimating how mm. long i need to get anything done well uh, the, i think the trick with estimating is to do it a lot and and measure it right that's the, so that's the key thing measuring you know it's, it's like everyone thinks estimating is just like going i think it'll take five days and then like four weeks later it's like okay so i've you know i didn't measure that right you yeah. know um in the studio we're time boxing stuff so it's like okay so as an example, January, February, and this is not correct because I don't have the, the schedule in front of me, mm -hmm. but let's say January, February, we're doing the outside of the house, you know, and 
we get to like mid-February and say, okay, where are we? Are we where we think we are? Like, how much more do we need to do? Um, and then we say, okay, well, if, if we're going to have to move the, 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 the timeline, well, what can we remove? What are we going to go, that's good enough. That's, you know, ship it. Just like ship it with that. We know that the, the I don't know, the tree doesn't look, you know, the third rock from the left doesn't look rocky enough. Let's, it's fine, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, artists and designers always want the best, but I don't know, one thing that really struck me is like, you know, you know, art or games, you know, are not finished. They're never finished. They, no. You just run out of time. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, so getting really good at, uh, or very, very strong at saying, that's good enough. We have other important things to do next month. Yeah, exactly. We can fix that rock now, but at the cost of like something the, that we were going to do next month. Um, yeah, or something really important, right? Yeah. Because like you could go like, yeah, no, that rock's great, but we need to have the bad guy with the, with with the machete done, yeah. or whatever whatever <laughs> you, you're doing in the, you know, and that he's necessary because he's the antagonist of the whole game. So you know, like, and this is where things slip. Uh, I, I don't want to, you know, like touch wood. Hopefully, we're not slipping. We're pretty much on target at the moment. Um, we're getting a lot of feedback at the moment. So then, there's, then there's going to be that iteration of going like, okay, what's important? Whose feedback do we? You know, because as game developers, we know what's right, what's wrong, what's missing, and also we know what's what to do. Uh, an example that w that we did is cut out a lot of the dialogue right at the beginning. So there you go. That's like voice acting out the window, right? We, that's a whole process that we didn't need to do. We had to find another solution. Yeah. But that was like, there we go. We've let's move this out because we that iteration is going to take cycles of everything else, and we're not going to finish. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, estimate and measure and so so i mean uh, uh, you know for myself as well it's like i tried to time box stuff and say like okay if i didn't get it done in the time that i allotted well okay that's that's i've run out of time because i've got other stuff i've got to do yeah no that, that's that's fair enough it, it's uh, i find it's it's very tempting to just sort of like oh just stick at it until it's finished and mm. and, and then move on and and yeah everything rat uh, rattles on so in, in terms of the um design then um mm -hmm. uh you've obviously you've got without wanting to like give too much away um you've obviously got um uh, uh an interesting hook for this um uh for this game uh how did you go about um figuring out the design was it based around sort of like um the, the, the setting first and then like figuring out what gameplay fitted the story or did you have some interesting mechanics in mind that you built the story around? Um, the mechanics came really early on. So basically we came, we had a premise, in other words, the story that we're basing it off, um, but it was a very rough bit. So that's it was a very rough, you know, this is kind of what we want to do. Um, but we knew the setting, we knew the locations, we knew a, a lot of stuff. We delved for a long time using uh, Miro. Do you know Miro is a yep. it's a diagramming tool? So we tried to make like uh, whole plot points. It was a lot of diagram on that, not using the, the engine at all. And I was like, oh, but I want to use Unreal Engine right now to make beautiful things. And it was like, no, no, no. We're going to like plan this out. 
And then we went to the prototyping stage in which was a, can we do this? How much do we have to do this? What can we maybe buy from? And then I know this is like, you know, I don't know if this is really bad, but because this development for the studios is really secret. What can we buy from the asset store that gets all of this done? Oh no, the asset store is wonderful. I'm, you know? I'm fully, fully with you there because like nobody wants game developers to spend half of their production cycle um, developing their own original trees and rocks. Right. I mean, trees. I mean, apart from art assets, because you know. those, those are a little bit harder. Uh, because you have a certain style and you want to yeah. maintain that. But for for example, is we had a whole interaction stuff and, I'm, and I've built 50 interaction things. And then I was like, gonna go, I know how much I'm gonna have to build. We know how much you're gonna have to debug this. We know how, that this is gonna have bugs, those weird bugs that we're gonna have to fix before shipping. Why don't we get something that does 80% and we modify it from there on. And that's what's great from buying stuff from the asset store. I mean. Uh, inventories, yeah, we can build an inventory, right? You you say to yourself, <laughs> but we want to build. We have the rest of the game to build. Do you know what I mean? And inventory yeah. is a, is what I would call a solved problem. Yeah, you know what I mean. Unless you're doing something very specific with the inventory, and and you're gonna do like a Resident Evil, you know, you've got a suitcase and it's got to fit like this and stuff like that. Uh, you know, yeah. But uh, so. So at the beginning, we did that to do the prototype, and we did a prototype of very rough blockouts of how the mechanics would work, how the speed of the walk would work, how we look at certain, you know, uh, we had certain things, we have certain things in the game that, that have to happen, and how that, that would work. And then we expanded, we reiterated on those prototypes whilst we were getting concepts done. Excellent. Right? So... Uh, we didn't have white gray boxes because we didn't know what the layouts were going to be. So we didn't do like, I know I'm kind of a bit known for level design because the podcast <laughs> self-promoting, but um, we didn't do much level design till much later on because we were trying to do the, the concepts, the, the mechanics. And once those came together with the story, um, we, we just got on with it. Um, and that, that was, that was the way to do it. Yeah. So um, once you've got uh, your core mechanics uh, designed, and so on, <laughs> was what was your process for um, uh, building out the levels? Uh, did you did you eventually move on to like white boxing uh, stuff for pacing? Um, without giving much away, okay. Well, I can give some of this away, but because it's not it's obvious from the first few seconds. A lot of it's set in, ha in a house because yes. that's the story, right? You're going to go into a house. But the first level, uh, the first, what we're building is only in one part of the house. Okay. So we don't really care about that. We we actually white boxed a lot of the house, but it's all very much like this is a layout. This is a really rough kind of sketch of the outside. It was pretty much white box. You could run around the whole house, right? But there wasn't... Uh, yeah, it was just empty house, you know. So, yeah. uh, one part we 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 blocked out, and then until I'm going to say pretty much a few weeks ago, those we're still running around in the same places because a lot of the art and assets had to be made or or gathered or or bought on and and placed, you know. Yeah. Um, but 
we had the concepts for those rooms. So we knew the scale. We knew that that this thing here was going to be a whole bunch of 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 clothes. We didn't have to put them there. Yeah. Because we knew that that's what what was going to go there. We all like working off the same plans, so it's not like problematic. And then stuff comes together quite quickly towards the end because you start bringing the stuff in it's it's i i really wish i could t talk a lot about level design but we did talk about like you know these are the stages and and these are the different areas we've talked a lot about that so we didn't have to go and play around with with um blocks for a long time yeah. you know what i mean it's like we we we, we knew what we we're gonna do and we're not weren't gonna do it for this yeah for this demo I mean, obviously there's certain limitations that you have to stick to when you're building uh like the interior of a house so it's uh, mm -hmm. it's got to be a realistic space and you can't right. play around you know a room is is fundamentally sort of like a rectangular box which you can then right. dress interestingly you can't mm -hmm. really do an awful lot in terms of structuring a single room with verticality and and, and multiple paths and things right i mean you can well, i mean you can because you can say hey it's, it's a broken house it's you know like you know, whatever, like, uh, what is it? Uh, the mansion in Dishonored, which, you know, like the the, the floor's fallen through oh, and yeah. stuff like that, you know? I mean, I, we're not compared anything to Dishonored. I just want to get that out there. But, <laughs> you know, big influence, though, big influence. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a Victorian house, so that there are odd-shaped rooms, so there's a lot more okay. bay windows type things. Yeah, okay. It's also been converted into a museum. So you can play a, a, a lot with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's going to be it's it's absolutely going to be interesting. It's uh, one of the mechanics is time travel within 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 the game. So there is a very interesting ways of seeing the same place from two different time time zones time zones time periods. Yeah. It's not like GMT and like you know <laughs> these you know, yeah. <laughs> you know um, time periods so it's it's going to be different it's you know you can look at the house and go oh this is how it was now and we did a lot of work about saying like okay so this is the original location and this is what's been converted to now what's happened over this period of time and we did a lot of concepting uh with, with our concept artist uriel and you know great concepts we played around with them um we made like uh I don't know what the word is. Two point five D versions of them. So like you know, I just got the photo and like like re-extruded it so you can like kind of look at it. Like how would it look like a little bit without, you know, that's cute. Um, which was kind of really useful because you go okay, so like now this is what's going to look like, and that's just from a from a from a two D sketch. Excellent. That's that's an interesting process. Yeah. Well, I, I stole it all from Ian Hubert, which is a blender. Uh, guru vfx kind of guy yeah. and he like does like stuff very very quickly because it's all for vfx and it's going to be in the background of a shot anyway so it doesn't matter yeah. and he would like just get a, a, a photo and photo bash it in, in in blender really quickly and that kind of means inspired me a little bit because like, let's just let's quickly do it it's not it doesn't have to be game ready doesn't have to go in engine it's just for us to to understand it and it worked pretty well excellent so I presume then that you you've made effectively a fully playable version of your game with placeholder um, art in order to thrash out the the, the details of of the gameplay and 
Well, the gameplay was 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 thrashed out. All the mechanics and everything else like was thrashed out before we put any the placeholders with blocks um, and spheres and stuff like that. I mean, um, you can get away with a lot of you know that kind of stuff. Uh, we had uh, some asset packs that we put in, but they some sometimes start getting in the way because they start for for better or worse inspiring you or guiding you. Do you know what I mean? It's like um, yeah. you start seeing that thing and it's like it stays there till the end and it's like you go like well I'm used to seeing it because I've played this game 17,000 times Yeah. but then you show it to somebody else and they go like what the hell is that and it's like <laughs> oh it's that placeholder thing I put at the beginning that I'm perfectly fine with because I've played this all the time yeah I must admit, um, I've found it it's quite useful to like have um, when you're prototyping to, to just keep the environment very obviously prototype looking um mm. with you know sort of like uh like graph paper textures or, or whatever to like, right because as soon as you deviate uh, move away from something that is obviously placeholder that people start assuming that it's therefore final right and and then you start getting feedback on an asset that you go like okay i don't care you yeah. know uh, it's great we're gonna replace that wasn't it um i'm trying to remember like uh half-life 2's engine was it source wasn't source like a lot of the, the the things were like bright orange or bright pink so that you knew that 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 you could that was just like bsps it's like you, you had to replace them yeah. there's a lot of stuff that was like really bright and like you could know that there were like i might be wrong in this like i'm, I'm sure comment down below and tell me if it's source <laughs> Yeah, uh, it it sounds likely. Um, it's always useful to have some sort of like way of marking things as uh, uh, as placeholder, I guess. If once, because obviously at some point you've got to start making the uh, bits of the environment look uh, right. final. And if there's anything in there that is for some reason staying placeholder for a long time, because uh, the, you know it's it, it's gonna. Uh, and, and you have a big team right so it, not not a big team but like over the period of of the life of the game different people have been involved right so mm -hmm. there's been the writer that's come in and and uh, <clears throat> uh greg buchanan's the, the the writer in this game so he's just oh, released 16 horses so yeah. uh, he's been an awesome writer on it and of course he's going to see one thing and then and you can't be telling every single person oh disregard the donkey in the corner that's just a placeholder <laughs> for for a car or something right yeah. um also we had some stuff that i, that I did at the beginning and it'd been, it'd been there like for a long time and which was photo scans of some some trees i'd got you know like i'd photo scanned them and 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 did all the really wonderful work it was wonderful wonderful work let's just say it's wonderful work <laughs> and i put it there and then like last week we replaced all of that because it did not fit in with the style yeah so it's like great the art director just went there and you know great that that did its job for there it was for me to yeah. to to do that i think maybe in the next game we'll have a better um way of of communicating between the team like in engine um i've used notes before so there's some different plugins that I, I in unreal engine there's a notes plus i think i can't remember what the name of it is which you're able to put notes on things and they're really blatant and we use that you know to say like, this is what this is 
you know, and is very blatant. This is going to be replaced. Or, you know, you know, don't say it's going to be replaced. We all know it's going to be replaced, but it's like, this is what this stick means, you know. I have never used a system with, with like, in-engine post-its, but I can see that being incredibly useful uh, for marking yeah. stuff as, for, for com yeah, just commenting that, like, this, this is, like, waiting on somebody else to fix something before I can finish it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not so bug. It's not so much bug tracking. It's more like intention tracking. It's yeah, like saying, exactly. you know, uh, here there should be a gate, right. right? Let's not waste effort right now because we know how to make a gate and we've got fifty other things to do. But a gate should be up here, and it's easier than to say that than in a Trello board. Yes, is that something that you are finding that is working best when it's like um, uh, communicating, um, like. I hate to like imply a hierarchy here, but communicating mm -hmm. downwards from sort of like like um, from game director to like artists saying sort of like this needs to have this that and the other, or do you find that it works it works back the other way as well, so that artists can can note things and and say no. sort of like this um, I've done what you wanted, but it there's it creates this issue. See what you think. I don't think we're big enough for me to, to use it in that capacity. No. Um, the feedback is usually team feedback so we have like a monthly playthrough in which the whole team is is in and, and we're going like okay this is the state of it and we all chip in like saying like we like this we didn't like this uh before this uh alpha uh, playthrough we all did a playthrough we recorded our playthroughs mm -hmm. um providing feedback the exact same feedback that other other people not the same feedback but answering the same questions that we're going to ask our players to to answer and and it's very interesting because i mean there's some of us working in engines some of us are not working in engines some of us are just doing stuff in 3d so it's, it's you know not everyone's playing the game daily and knowing what, what the daily builds are like no. right so so that's what we have a monthly playthrough and everyone has a playthrough and and, and submits feedback and we sit down and have a chat about where we see it going how, what what would be good what would be bad do triage and go like, okay, great. I'm going to blame a tree, but like, you know, like this area here would really be good if we had like this kind of storytelling kind of stuff. And then out of that shakes out a whole bunch of stuff that we say, okay, we need to get the writer back in to do, you know, another 50 bits of here. We need the audio guy to come in, uh, Rory, who's awesome, um, to come in and do like this sound here because it needs it for the story, you know? Um mm -hmm. That kind of stuff, but I mean, is that that playthrough is the 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 real, the real good one? You know, that's a real like advancement on the game. Yeah, that that's great, and also it gives people a, a chance to sort of like chip in and and like um, uh, input on other people's aspects of the of the game. So you know, because yeah. I don't think it's I don't think uh, it's always useful to have sort of like like. The sound guy is the only person who 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 ever um, has any opinion on the sound, and the artists right. are the only people who have, ever have any decisions to make about the look of the game, uh, and so on. I mean, yeah, it's there's also I've used this word before, intentionality. It's like sometimes you put placeholder stuff. Let's say I put a, oh, I think at one point I put like a, a recording of wind because I wanted to. It's set in a cornfield, by the way. Like the house is set in yep. a cornfield. I think you're going to see trailer of it soon. Um, 
and I wanted to, you know, you can see the call moving, but you don't hear anything. So I was going like, it, it sounds like I've got my headphones on or something. So like, I just put like some like ambient wind noise, right? Yeah. And of course that annoyed the, the, the audio guy, I'm pretty sure, because he said, this is very crap stuff that you've just stolen off the internet, isn't it? So let me go and make you some proper so he put some proper stuff, but he also did, made it great and said, like, look, in a field, you're going to hear a couple of animals. And then we can all have feedback going like, well, the intention wasn't if you have a, a dog barking, for example, we have to show a dog or we have to do this. So let's cut that out. And, you know, and so it's all it's all to throw. And I think everyone needs to have uh, a play of the game both to understand what other people are, uh, uh, are adding to the game and, yeah. and what, what your feelings are. Again, this, this is an experiential medium. Yeah. So uh, we have very, when we planned it out at the beginning, we had like, this is what you should be feeling here. <laughs> this yeah. is what you should be feeling here, right? Yeah. But, uh, an, uh, what's it called? Uh, an, an emotional like um, uh, storyboard. Right. I mean, we're not quite like that. I, I really wish we were like, I think Journey did this like beautiful emotional storyboard that each area is a different color because it means something else. Uh, and, you know, have the, 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 the ups and downs and stuff like that. Um, uh, Hero's Journey, possibly. I don't know. I, I don't know. Journey's I can't remember how they do. Entirely. Um, yeah. Very Hero's tight, Journey. Tightly it? associated with the Hero's Journey. Right. Um, and they did like these beautiful storyboards. I really wish we were that good and had done that. <laughs> um, but, you know, we faffed around and managed to get something that, that was pretty close. And uh, I say faffed around, we, you know, Valentina as a lead designer is, is, is knocked it out of the park, very systemic. Um, we also have, you know, it's, it hasn't been a chaotic experience as I thought it would, as it was before, because right. we've had like experienced people in there, which is great. Um, we also have, you know, like now we, now we're kind of down tooling a little bit because the playtests are happening. So, yeah. you know, uh, we want, we have to gather all the all the feedback and then like churn through that and make sure priorities are right. Yeah. So we like refocus on 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 our other stuff like marketing on on getting the the art book. I don't know. I want an art book of my game, don't you? Like, you know, we we've done so That'd much. Nice. You know, we've done some so much nice stuff. Let's put it all into a book or something. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert. We might do a book, maybe not. Who knows? We're an indie, you know. You <laughs> never tell. Uh, I presume there's also sort of like a bunch of like um, donkey work that that needs doing at some point to do with uh, such things as um, save games and options and all that. Fact. Yeah, that the, uh, the save game stuff uh, has been in there since the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, again, asset store stuff. You know why? I mean, and also Unreal is pretty easy for for doing save games, but that donkey work was was out of it now we're working because we're getting feedback on a lot of the video options uh, right. because because uh all the options like i want my mouse to be invert i want i want to do this people are really picky apparently mm -hmm. um uh, so we're working on that 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 should be going in in the next couple of weeks um but yeah i don't you know that's as you say it's donkey work and and i try to focus on what's important because like a whole bunch of switches for for stuff we're not doing the tomb raider thing we're not going to write a you know like a a stress testing a, you know thing that you can just test your machine on because that's triple a stuff that they have a lot of time for that yeah. 
we're trying to focus on is this a word the meat and potatoes of it like this yeah you know but you have to top and tail the game right you have to have credits because obviously you want to credit the people that have worked on it mm -hmm. uh you have to have save games because people don't you know they, they have a life that you don't chain them up yeah unless that's your gimmick right unless it's like this game has to be played in four hours you have to dedicate four hours to it or something which i don't think we will but uh but yeah so you have these things that are, are meant to be there and 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 we've paid attention to that, but we tried to solve that early on as part of the, yeah, the mechanics run. Cool. Um, it's getting there. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what's next then? Um, once you've um, got your feedback, obviously they'll you'll be fixing anything that isn't landing correctly. Uh, and that, right. That is causing confusion. Well, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, I think we'll... Depends what the feedback is, obviously, but yeah. I think we, we are now getting lists of what we need to do for the art, what we need to do for mechanics, what we need to do for story, um, and then uh, what we need to fix for audio. Yeah. And because we're in India and we have limited budgets, we then triage that and say, okay, what can we do within this yeah. amount of time? Uh, we're now splitting some of our time to do marketing and trying to get a publisher and trying to get, you know, see whether we also fund it because, you know, or how, how are we going to fund the rest of the development for the next few, few months, right? It's like, uh, or years, really, I don't know, the next year until, until we get the whole game done. But yeah. um, so we got, you know, but you have, you have to focus on everything at once, but also, you know, it's not be chaotic about it yeah yeah no i mean that uh that all sounds uh sounds really good so i mean it sounds good we shall see in, it, in like it a does, few yeah. in, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's circle back in a few months and see like you come back and see me like ah it's all crazy it's all gone you know <laughs> uh, that sounds, it's a that's a very like uh, sensible way to uh approach it because it is it's, it's extremely tempting to just look at uh, look at a game and just throw in all of the fun ideas that you have um, uh, because all of, each and every one of those ideas seems like it's a comparatively trivial thing to um, to add right but then if you but if you top them all up you find that you've got like like two months worth of uh, of, of tweaks there and only one month to do them in um, yeah and and then you start and the problem with those things I find is that people forget that that you're, you're working with other people yeah right so your tweak now means that we need to get some or your your randomly added tweak or that the fact that you're late with a tweak means that somebody else is is waiting and then you have to get a producer in which you should totally get a producer and <laughs> we we haven't because we've been wearing many hats but um you then have to get a producer to manage all these shifts and stuff like that rather than being a, a lot more um you know, tidy about it, and the, and the problem is, is that then people start getting stressed because they're trying to do their job, they're trying to make the good game, but they're waiting for this, and they can't do this because of this, and that builds up stress, and then you get a, a team, then you get everyone falling out and saying, "I'll never talk to that person again," yeah. and we don't want that. We want we want to have a good, happy game studio that that everyone's enjoying their work and they're happy with every, everybody else. So you have to like. You you have to see where the disaster fashion comes in and nip it before it even 
starts, right? Yeah. Uh, and you do that by having some degree of certainty in what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Now, when you get later on down the line, and I'm sure I'm going to eat my words, is then when you start going to other people's deadlines, right? Is when you start talking to publishers and the and the, the marketing teams and maybe external QA or localization teams. They're going to need things at certain points. And then then you're going to really have to start managing stuff we've been we've we've all been in-house we we have our own deadlines and that's great but once you start having external deadlines that's what's that that's what can increase the stress so yeah. that oh, yeah. having certainty and scheduling is how, like everyone knows when, we, when we're going to achieve these marks and n knowing that so far we've achieved every mark is very good for going forward and that that certainty is is good for everyone you know no, that's that's <laughs> that's very useful. Oh, the number of E three demos I've had to crunch for is uh, is crazy. Right. Um, well, I, I we're not there yet, so yeah. like you know, <laughs> it's it's a, it's an odd one actually because that that circumstance is one of the like the few areas where like there's there's very little alternative to crunch if you're actually trying to um, deliver something unless you get it done so ridiculously early that. Mm -hmm. Um, the polish the, yeah that you have plenty of time but then the difficulty then is that um, very few people developers are willing to show a build that is a couple of months old at a games show you want to be showing the latest and greatest and you want we're filled with that, bugs like, there's, right <laughs> this last month we put this and that and the other into the game and it looks so much better right. than it did back then but we haven't actually tested all of the gameplay mechanics on this latest right. build, and we don't know that every single the, like, level and you don't know that all the new art that you've put in has got the right collision, and that yeah, it exactly. and that it doesn't have like how much shadow. Like you've got this beautiful model, but is that casting like ray trace shadows somewhere that is like killing your FPS? Right? Is it's? Um, I mean, when's E three? Like as an example, well, it, it's usually it's in June, it's in, but obviously everything's right. up in the air now. Well, no, obviously, but like for example, like our, at our studio, we'd have one of the milestones of having a build for E3, and that probably be we would be like, where are we? May uh, next month, we would be finished by next week for the if if there was an E3 next that we were showing, that's the kind of planning we would have done. Like it would be finished by then. Yeah, there's going to be other builds, but the the, the E3 build is going to be there. Yeah. You have to have a banker. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, having said that, again, I'm going to swallow my words because these are not experiences that we have, but this is the, 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 this is well, the intention we have, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at like, working right up to a deadline because I want it to be good. Um, but that but it, well, wasn't it good like three months ago? Wasn't it good two months yeah. ago? Well, this well, is I thing, mean, you can build better every day. But... It's difficult as a developer. You always look at you look at something from two months ago and go sort of like, well, yeah, it was good. It was good for the time, but sort of like, but compared to what we've got now, um, mm. it doesn't. You know, it, it's it's still because when you look at your own work, obviously you 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 mostly see the the flaws and the things flaws, that right. you that you want to correct. Um, uh, so and it can be quite hard to sort of like look past those flaws and see like okay what's this gonna what's this gonna look like because it's all about context isn't it you were mm -hmm. talking about um, the fact that you are all collaborating to sort of like you know in the early stages it's all about communicating so that everybody understands the context for like the the art that they're putting in or the sound right. effects that they're putting in and as and you as a team you you 
build up this like shared vision of what the, the, the level be. is is supposed to look like um yeah. and i guess easier as you get it more and more complete but so it's very mm-hmm. easy to forget what it's like for uh, like someone who's never seen the game before who comes in and they say and all of this stuff is already in place um all sort of like contributing to the to the same sort of like um narrative that that like all the art and the sound and the pacing and the mm-hmm. uh, uh and the game mechanics that are all driving towards like um, a coherent experience um but it's very difficult to ig- ignore the kind of like um i i hate that front doorstep it's an it, it's annoying it, it it's it looks out of place it's the wrong color. and no one cares right no you one know? cares about that no no one even stopped by it they'd even <laughs> look down at it um well that, that's what you know years and years ago back in the midst of time i used to be a guitarist uh uh, in in like a high school band or whatever you want to call it, yeah. I don't know. This is Game Dev London, so this is my this is my secondary school, right? Uh, <laughs> not secondary school. What's it called? My college. I went to college, right? So I thought I'm used to talking to Americans all the time. So I'm really sorry for doing Americanism. <laughs> and I remember playing a gig, and I like came off it, and I was going, "Oh, I'm so sorry." It's like that was so shit. And someone came up to me like, "That was awesome." You know, and like all I could think of, like there was the feedback in the back. I, someone's guitar was out of tune, and I was, yeah, you know, like I was out of time because, like, I was worried because this feedback was coming in and out. Yeah, and because the they, stuff they that thought did it was work was invisible to you, right? Because yeah. you're used to doing that, right? Yeah. That's that's or, or whatever. It's like you, you did it, like completely invisible to me. That was the worst show of my life. People came up to me like, "Oh, that was amazing. That was great." And I was like, and of course, we were English. Like, oh no, it's terrible! It's terrible! It's terrible! Years later in my life, as as a, as a fully grown adult, I did I do a lot of presentations as part of my, you know, pre, well pre COVID, I used to go to conferences, do presentations and stuff like that. And I went to, uh, and I did one in in the in, in the US. Um, and typical English person, I, I do my presentation, came out, and someone came up to me, and as you, after you do a presentation, they go like, "Hey, that was great." And I'm like, oh, that was terrible. I, I, I did the thing, bad, blah, 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 blah. And he said to me, no, dude, that was a compliment. You saying no to them, you being like, you think self-detrimental, you're actually telling them that they're wrong, right? Mm. You, you are negating. They're giving you a compliment. They really enjoyed it. They're in a positive frame of mind. But you said, no, I was shit. It was terrible. Uh, you can bleep that out, but you know, and and they and they were like, and you're telling them that, that their opinion is incorrect, and I think I've taken this thought to games, right? It's mm-hmm. like I can get really picky about stuff, and I can be really picky. Like at the moment, there's some ladders that I don't like, but I'm like, but it works. Like no one's going to notice the thing that I'm going to notice, and let's play test it and see it, and 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 you know, and it's the same thing for games, right? Because games, as with uh, many other things people are invested in playing them right they, they, they want it to succeed they're trying to see what you did until you cheat them somehow until you fail them in a big way I don't know how to explain it it's like the ending of Lost or something you know it's like you know yeah. the, 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 everyone's up there with you they're, they're, they're willing you to succeed yeah, they're invested in the game suspension of disbelief that's the, that's the, the yeah. clever way to say it um, and that's what we always have to remember about games is like if we're making something that's satisfactory, it's like if if someone's 
and this is why we do play testing because you want to get as many opinions of of finding what people didn't like mm -hmm. so that you can uh maybe smooth that out maybe you can add fill in the cracks there and and there um and they won't tell you the bits that they'll like it's kind of weird because that 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 should be a given does that make sense it's like the floor is there there is like plants on the floor they're not going to notice that no no right um, that's a given so yeah no, nobody nobody makes a big list of sort of like yes excellent sort of like floor surface very good um, yeah yeah sound of floor surface very spot yes, on convincing you know? convincing dirt excellent puddles yeah um, right if you remove those puddles though watch out yeah yeah watch out there's going to be someone someone out there that loved those damn puddles and like in your fixed version to like increase the fps you remove those puddles they're going to be very upset uh, well, well i refer to the the insomniac's spider-man screenshots um in which oh they they there was a they released screenshots during development and then later on they did a trailer with oh the puddles the same shot and like the environment had just been sort of like tweaked and there were slightly fewer puddles in a in a given environment. Right, um, right. And the people are going like, oh my, the up the wall, going sort of like, oh my god, you're downgrading the uh, the experience. Um, right. Because somehow oh. in their mind they correlated sort of like puddles with reflections are sort of like right, was... complex and interesting and and right. uh, and so on. Uh, Wasn't this at RTX time? This is like when the RTX cards it, were coming it out, might and, well have been. Uh, and, and there was like loads of ray tracing happening. Yeah, I mean, it, it may have been, it may have been that sort of like at at the time, sort of like those ray trace puddles, sort of like if they covered too much of the screen, it it started to affect performance. That, right. that could happen. Um, some things. Didn't. It also could be that, that it had a realistic environment that it had rained less. I mean, it could just be that, like the art, the artists found that like it was too distracting to have reflections all over the floor, because this right is with a your space with your Spider Man jumping around exactly. and you don't know if it's you like know, this is a space you've got to have a fight in, so you need to be able to read the environment. So right, right. Know, a, a lot of the time, you you do want the environment to fade into the background so that you can sort yeah. of like understand where you know. This is the same reason that you know video games have like really boring camera angles. Um, from a cinematic perspective, because right, right. it's much more about practicality and you know the, the the best. You know, if you're playing The Witcher, you do not want a dramatic angle from behind. You know, from, from sort of like peering out of the undergrowth when yeah. you're trying to fight three guards. You want a or, or just cow. over his shoulder, right? Like, like, yeah. like you'd have in a film in which you see the back of the head. That's third of the, the third of the screen his shoulders another like quarter of the screen and you're just seeing the the the, the, the thing in the front because you need to navigate right exactly i mean that that yeah. works well for something like resident evil or um gears of war where you right. are you are shooting you know you're not mm. the, the the whole point of the game is to sort of like um tactically sort of um control the space so that you don't get surrounded um mm. Uh, and you know if you've got if you need to look in all directions simultaneously something's gone wrong um so yeah it's um it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting one um the uh so you know dragging it back to sort of like insomniac <laughs> i suspect that that was probably just a like you know a creative decision to try to you know avoid distracting the player with unnecessary frills in a space where they are attempting to survive uh, an attack by like a dozen goons um, yeah right it's like it's 
you know, like if you think about the Batman games, if you had like a whole bunch of flashing lights all over, all over, and like Batman-looking kind of characters uh, appear, like you know, you'd be like, wait, I, I can't read the screen. I mean, yeah. okay, and and there's sometimes you can't read the screen have, anyway. But I have to admit, is I had this problem with Arkham Knight when I was driving the Batman right. around Gotham, um, mm. where the city is so detailed and textured and all of the streets are absolutely right. lined with trash and there's blowing litter and stuff like that. It looks amazing but i'm going through it so fast that it just right. i cannot take it's it a mush in. right yeah and as and you know they'd obviously realized that this was a problem because the streets had these like giant glowing blue arrows to tell me which way i was supposed to go um Right, the, the the glowy GPS, rather than like being like, well, let's let's yeah. make it, let, let's light it how you, how you should. And right? it was, a, I thought, felt like it felt like it was a little bit of a shame because the city looked so good, but I couldn't look mm. at it. I had to just follow the arrows and ignore the city because right. the arrows contained the meaningful information that I needed for gameplay, and the city was just a distraction. Um, I mean, it's a beautiful distraction. Oh, right? It's a like, beautiful distraction, but uh, yeah. it, it kind of frustrated me because I couldn't enjoy the city um, because I was having to drive through it so fast. Um, and also because I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't sort of like learn the the roads. That's that's one of the right. other things. And you can have the map in your head, right? Yeah. You have to have the map on, on like being shown. Yeah. I think that that's a tough choice because in those games, uh, you had two separate ways or more uh, like because you could fly but let's discount that um ways of navigating the environment right you got as batman by doing the the bat hook and the and the climbing and the and the and the flying thing and driving really fast which is two different games right <laughs> so so like the bat hook thing you want something great because you want to have like the skyline and stuff like that but also being down amongst uh you know the ground going really fast so i don't know how you'd scale that kind of you know uh you could make it really blurry right so like so look, like, you know the yeah. the corners look really sharp but everything else looks blurry now that's yeah. a technical challenge and a half you can yeah you can do interesting things with the like the art presentation to sort of like focus the um players views i mean like you can do the classic of like focus pull um right. uh, which is like in, entirely there to sort of like direct the audience's attention to like a different part of the frame without actually changing what's in frame uh, right how how you how, how do you we, we are thinking about about one area about fo uh directing the player and oh, that's... Uh, not directing the the, the, ca the the player's camera and that this yeah. is like uh, we are finding it very contentious. There's one bit we're saying like, okay, well, they shouldn't see anything, but I'm going like, well, they have to see this. This, this is like, you know, and people are going, well, that's just your opinion, Mark. But you know, it's like, no, 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 no. You understand? You have to see this for the for the part of it. It's but the thing is, I, I think it's like a switch between either you you pull the camera from the player to show them something, or you do a cutscene, yeah. right? Or you could do that focus pull. But then again, if you've got if you're in charge of the camera. Oh yeah, no. In terms of um, the focus pull, allows you to um, sort of uh, direct attention. So, for example, if you're if you're using like a sniper rifle, then sort of like the um, having the like the focus pull to the the point where the like the, your laser right. sight has landed um, is really useful. So you can like aim across the level, and whatever your 
looking at through your sight right. is in focus and anything that's like a significant distance away driving that's going to be nuts though <laughs> yeah but you know for what you're talking about is like yeah that's the classic gears of war did a like a halfway house of, of giving you sort of um like a button to press to to, to watch the cutscene. and if you didn't want to watch the cutscene, you would just no. ignore it um uh, and it wouldn't take control of the camera um because i think you know they realized that just grabbing the camera when that the player normally has control of is quite um unsettling and and intrusive in you know in mm. the experience but um, hey we're a horror game we can we can do that yeah i mean <laughs> vr is an interesting one because you, you really Ooh. can't do it at all there because just for no. like motion sickness reasons you can't just move people's head eyeballs no this is not people's head this is like we have yanked your eyeballs in this yeah, direction it, it's, <laughs> um so yeah vr is always uh, a challenge because yeah the um uh, like some of the, there were some early VR experiences which were more, um, kind of like with, for example, with uh, like um, three sixty cameras uh, mm -hmm. set up. Early days of VR, they were like super popular three sixty camera experiences. So basically, mm. you, you you stick your three sixty camera in the middle of a skate ramp or something, and then you have a VR experience right. with, with like video of skateboarders going up and down plays all around you, which is kind of cool until you introduce narrative. And then you've got no control of where the player is looking. Right. Um, and if you want them to see something that is happening, you have got to try to sort of like, you've got to acknowledge, understand that they could be looking anywhere at any given moment. Mm -hmm. And if you want them to look at a certain thing, you've got to try to draw their attention. Um, yeah. And, you know, at least with So you start games, choreographing. Yeah. You start choreographing all these people to just go like, look over here. Ex exactly. You know, <laughs> you know and there's all sorts of tricks that, that we already use in video games to try to get players to notice right. that sort of like there's the exit with that light forming a pool uh, uh, you know a, a, an attractive pool of light on these steps leading up to a door sort of like that's yeah, where that's you're delicious supposed to pool go of light. Yeah. Um, but you know yeah. like even having like um, for, for people who are used to cinema even having like um, someone speak over your shoulder is not enough to make audiences turn around in VR, yeah. it turns out because when it when they feel like they're enjoying a cinematic experience, they expect to be shown what they need to see. Gotcha, and yeah. The audience is not used to examining the environment to to find things. So, um, I was trying to think what uh, Half Life Alex, which I think I think now is kind of the benchmark of of good um, VR. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, prove you know. It's still on my list. But yeah, no. But there's some of the some of the stuff that happens right at the beginning is not. This is not no spoilers, but it's just basically someone comes on a screen, and of course, like you're in a very small area, they're talking to you, they're looking at you, and you can do whatever you want, but then that's you uh, um, going against social norms because you're literally talking to somebody, right? Yeah. So like, so like, hey, you can do that. Um, that I don't think they had to write some AI to go, uh, excuse me, I'm talking to you, but they have a screen within the game, do you know, like a, an actual monitor and stuff and make everything yeah. interesting. So, uh, but there are scenes of someone d giving your narration, but they're very, so far as I, as I remember, as far as I played, they're all very um, small areas. And the rest of the time it's like voice in your in your ear telling you, 
Yeah. Yeah, now I'll go over here. That's such a useful um, tool, the, the, the voice in your ear. Um, <laughs> because you can't you can't usually miss it. Um, and it, it, it's it's omnipresent and it, it's just so convenient. Um, yeah, uh, we, we have some uh, audio stuff and I'm still working my way through my decisions on that, like or what, whatever we have to do on how on the spatial side of it. You know, it's yeah. like do, do, if you start a, a narration or a uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, yeah, Captain Exposition moment, you know, like <laughs> that, that they're going to do it. Could I just walk away from it? And, you know, is that good? Is that bad? Well, it's like, hey, you know, like, yeah, it's it's depends on the situation. It, it's a challenge, isn't it? Because, I mean, video games have so many moving parts. So what yeah. is good for, I mean, for example, like Cyberpunk uh, 2077. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I had to do a little count. Yeah. yeah, comparing comparing that with The Witcher Three, the um, previous game. In The Witcher Three, once you engage in dialogue, um, you are locked into that dialogue until you pick the right. like exit option. Um, okay. Uh, and you can see why, because it's a very sort of like it's a drama driven game, um, mm -hmm. and it's very cinematic. Uh, the the once you like engage in conversations and so on, and if the player was able to exit that at a random point. That could that would be a nightmare, logistical nightmare from a game design standpoint. Whereas con contrasting that with uh, Cyberpunk, instead, when you engage someone in conversation, you basically you just have to stand close to them, and the dialogue menu just sort of like gets added to your HUD, and you, you control it using the D-pad. Right. But you you you're never. I was trying you, to remember how that works. Yeah. Can you you, walk, you can't walk away from something. of the uh, of the character. You can always just like turn and walk away in the middle right. of a conversation if you if you choose to. Uh, and Unless there's, there's some places that they fix you though. Like I think there's conversations that you have at a bar and you go sit down, and oh, now yes. this is this is going to play out in front of you. Like if you sit down, I think you are kind of locked in your seat until the, the dialogue happens. I had I had missed that it changed the that, that it actually sort of like gave you changed the context to be like locked into that conversation on those i'm gonna i'm gonna need to go and play some more of it and, and yeah. pay attention to those I've, but yeah there's some set pieces in cyberpunk that obviously have to play out a certain way and right. i i need to like go back and double check how how exactly have they done that it is fascinating and, looking at how and that's it and that's the magic of games right yeah. like as a person that's making games you have to go back and check because you were then involved in the, in the in the in the fiction, right? And yeah. you were just automatically yeah. doing it. Yeah. And that's the magic of the creation of games in which you stop thinking about the control and thinking about absolutely embodying that person that you're being and interacting with other people. And that's the magic that we try to get. Yeah. I think that's the magic that we're trying to spend a lot of time smoothing the edges so you don't get pulled out of that and exactly. i think that's where players get really annoyed you know yeah. i think when when you know don't take my tades away don't take my 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 puddles away that's a different different <laughs> uh, subject is i think they get very annoyed if you pull them out of that virtual experience i'm not talking about vr but just that yeah. virtual experience you know um, um and so yeah you, you're right it is it's a constant battle to make sure that you are 
allowing the player their agency uh, so they never feel um, it, it's 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 all smoke and mirrors really isn't it? it it's it's all about you obviously you've created your game tells a story and that yeah. story is focused on certain things um, you know if you for example if you're trapped in a spooky haunted house with a murderer then that's what the story is, is is about. It is not a story about sort of like what happens when the player picks up the phone, calls the police, and then stands outside the house while they sweep it for you. Yeah. yeah right. So mobile phones and games are really rare, aren't they? Or yeah. if, or they have really terrible signals on them. Yeah. But it, but it's yeah. it's all about what you allow the player to do and how right. to prevent the player from from doing the things that you haven't allowed for in a way that they don't feel that they're being railroaded right um because then, then there's not an interaction then it's just yeah. a movie right um i think william gibson in uh, in one of his books i think neuromancer wasn't it he said that it, like he was talking about cyberspace being a consensual hallucination but that also also like makes me think of games right it's like we're hallucinating and forgiving em- enough yeah that we can play low low poly games and be completely in it like I'm gonna say like let's say super hot for example. That's that's you know like it's, it's got a very specific art style. Is we fill in everything else and it's mm-hmm. and we forgive as players a lot. Yeah. But I think as as developers we have to enable that forgiveness. You know we have to put everything right so that's a smooth experience. It's a smooth um, you know interaction and there are. It's just removing those stops for that yeah. that they'll trip over that step that you didn't like. It's removing that damn step that you that, that you didn't like, you know, the one that's been annoying you, just so yeah. they can smoothly go up and start. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not only games though. As well, I think there are similar things with with other um, media as well. But I think that they're just we're so used to them culturally that mm. they're almost invisible. Like the fact that like reading a book. Um, Reading prose is comparatively slow. So as soon as you get an action scene, so it it feels, um, you know, you can have like several right. pages of text describing yeah. things that have happened in a matter of seconds, and it takes you minutes to read it all. Um, but um, or you know, it depends on it depends on the style of prose. Either you, either the author sort of like rattle, rattles through giving a very like terse description to keep the pace mm-hmm. going um uh in which case like you're filling in an awful lot in your head and you have to allow that you're not getting a detailed description of exactly what is going on um or they do they give a very blow by blow breakdown in which case like your mental camera kind of like dilates time in order to sort right. of like um uh assemble this mental picture in in your head and then you get a similar thing in in movies as well where you know you you fill in but you fill in the gaps between you know cuts uh and so on we, you know you don't have to see everything right. um yeah we're, we're very good at that i mean is is humans are super good at um filling in the blanks between you know the blinking of our eyes so yeah. to speak but also like we do that for for stories and for 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 stretching of time in in, in those things um I think we're built for it uh, because it's just we seem to be very good at it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the evolutionary path for that was, 
you know maybe we got bored a lot up in the trees and you know like time is 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 a construct of our minds but um but you're right you know reading books i, I was just thinking of uh i'm trying to remember that the 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 author maybe jeffrey deaver or something like that i think he wrote kiss the girls or bone collector anyway i'm getting it wrong um but he describes a car crash and i think and, and exactly you you you're explaining like this car chase and it breaks and you're right it was about a chapter of prose that took me probably about an hour to read yeah. in this like yeah yeah uh, i mean tiny amount of time my, my favorite example actually from like um, film and tv is like if you look at 70s cop shows um right you will you will see like they they, they go sort of like oh we need to talk to this suspect again and they will you will see them sort of like leave the precinct get in the car pull away cut right. to the suspect's home they pull up they get out of the car and they walk up to the uh, up to the door and there might be a little bit of dialogue but it's not like really fundamental dialogue it's yeah, like we're going to exactly. go and interview this guy and then if you watch law and order then it's kind of like we need to ask, talk to this suspect again and they immediately cut to that suspect in an interview room answering the question that you ex that you knew right. that they that they were going to ask them um, and they both I, work right yeah and they both they well, both they, work. they do both work the the 70s version i think is a slightly less sophisticated um uh, storytelling technique it is filling in all of the, that information to show you know it's showing right. that they went there and so on whereas the like a more modern show is basically just showing you just the bits that you couldn't assume you can just see the director or the, the producer in the background like, hey, where are they now? How did they get from there to there? You have to fill in, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that uh, movie the producers have that voice. But <laughs> I think there's, there's also uh, maybe a lot of movie, um, especially in media, we have had much more consumption from a much early age compared to the 70s, right? In the 70s, yeah. those films that you're talking about in the 70s, they were trying to express all of this. We've had that like again and again. One thing that comes to mind is go watch 2001, but mm -hmm. you know, Stanley Kubrick's 2001. Oh my God, it's glacially slow. And, I, and we're just yeah. used to like faster editing. There's like scenes that you're going like, yeah, he's walking. Yeah, no, I get it. He's walking. He's still walking. Come on, get there. It's like, yeah. you know, and and you can see Stanley Kubrick going, I paid £150,000 for this ship. I am going to get, you know, 4,000 feet of film of it. And I'm going to put it all in the in the film, you know. Yeah, it, it's um, it's fascinating how um, cinema has evolved. Um, and right. but it's also it's also fascinating how like games have evolved. Um, I mean, for an example that um, that I was peripherally involved with um, when I worked at TT Games and we started do, uh, doing like Star Wars Lego. One of the key design pillars of um, the original Star Wars Lego is that the the player should never lose progress because okay. it was designed for like very young players. So you should yeah. never be you should never be punished and set back. Um, right. And so the design was that if you ever get killed, then like. You explode into studs and um, right. Uh, I was going to say coins, but it was studs. Yeah, yeah, it? kind of like like um, very much like Sonic, and then mm -hmm. you respawn um, and you can collect some of those studs, but right. they're not all that important. Um, I think Sonic actually used it as a like a a, a second chance mechanic. Right. If you collected at least one ring, 
then like that insulated you from death in Sonic. But in Lego, it was purely a, a cosmetic thing because you could just keep dying over and over again and eventually you would get through it. And a lot of us uh, at TT were really worried that that was going to make the game feel like just it was just a meaningless grind. There was no challenge. If there's no right. risk... Then no reward, why would right? anybody? Yeah, why would anybody play the game if they if they're not actually um, feel like they're accomplishing something? And um, and that was wrong. That was something that grew out of the uh, the birth of video games as a challenge. Mm-hmm. But, also, a way to make money, right? Because like yeah. a lot of the, the the console developers were literally consoles that were in arcades that you put twenty five cents in. And, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, so if you died enough times, you know, yay, exactly, another twenty five yeah. cents. So the early video games were all built around that mechanic of like you have to you have to make it a challenge so that the player has to sort of like um, keep retrying the same thing mm. over and over and over again in order to get get past it. Um, but as the medium has evolved, we've, it's become a lot more sophisticated. So we've now got what people call walking simulators, where there's no threat at all. There's mm-hmm. no challenge. It's just about the player sort of like driving the experience forward at their own pace and taking their own time to move the story forward by mm-hmm. exploring an environment. And, and I think those are fine. There's, there's, there's such a breadth of players and and by the way i just want to say that the only true walking simulators they're stranding or the other ones that experience that is a proper walking simulator and it does exactly well yeah and i'm just going to say like the the term walking simulator has been shifted to death stranding all the other ones are just experience simulators right uh or not simulators they're just experiences and you can enjoy them um i think uh, the the video games market has grown up a lot from what we're saying up from con- you know not consoles cabinets mm-hmm. uh, and taking that mentality out of the the twenty five cent for every death type type idea to to a range of game styles and this and that's what I love about game development I have a certain style the things that I want I want to play the things that I want to make and sometimes they're not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to, uh, and and there's the, the, there's people making, as you say, Lego games, but there's also like the mobile games, is and there's 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 everything that you can make under the sun, and that's what I kind of love that there's many ways that you can express yourself, and not all of them, and none of them are wrong. In I mean, some of them are wrong, like you know, sort of t- taking money from people, that you know, for from loot crates and stuff oh, like God. that. Gambling is wrong, but. But do you know what I mean? It's like if you're trying to express yourself or your team's trying to express something, you have now a lot of language. As we were saying, like 70s films, now we have a lot of language in, in game development. And one of the things that I'm really enjoying in my, I'm going to say this very airily, my my journey in, in, in game development is learning a lot from a lot of people by talking to them like this. Yeah. Um, and starting to understand that we... we this is a very young industry and we're finally getting a lot more language around it that can describe things generally and precisely that we didn't have before. Right. Yeah. So like uh, in level design, you know, architecture, right. There is very definite terms for certain things and, and certain construction patterns and certain sizes and scales and ergonomics and anthropometrics that go into architecture. 
and we're getting some of those in games. The one thing that I think is a very big shame about the games industry is how close it's kept everything for such a long time. You know, it keeps it very close to its heart. It doesn't show its tricks. So therefore, you can't get good design patterns. You can't say, how do you, the hell do you test that? Like, uh, as an example, one video that, that I liked was Crow Team. And they had this idea of how to do uh, testing of the, of the Talos principle. But they have, like, this bot that basically goes around the whole game and plays the whole game. Tons mm -hmm. of game over and over and over. And you can record it. And, like, they were talking about something that I'm sure a lot of games that a lot of AAA companies have, and they haven't released it. They haven't shared it. They haven't said they they haven't. These are all solved problems in some place, but we don't know they're solved problems. Now in architecture, like all of these solved problems, yeah. they've encoded it. They teach it to people. Like some of the pipeline we we're putting out, but some of the other stuff we're not. Um, but do you think that that is shifting though now? Because we're getting, yeah. for example, like Epic. Um, uh, yeah. started sort of like shifting with with by providing sort of like tools and features mm -hmm. in unreal engine they're um uh obviously that like they're getting people to like to use their um their engine there but things like um uh metahuman um right. for example it's a great example of like sharing what is um a really hard problem uh, to solve mm -hmm. that that they've done really well uh and and making that available for, for other people to use is um is fantastic um and i think that they're, they're gradually with both unreal and unity um uh and indeed some of the other competitor engines that you know which are necessarily smaller but um mm. they're they're slowly adding in features that um that are have been around long enough that they're no longer uh, a cutting edge um sort of like um unique selling point for for corporations um because yeah. once it becomes once it becomes like commonplace enough enough other people have like engineered the same solution to the same problem at that point it's kind of like okay well like okay everybody's figured it out so now it's common knowledge mm -hmm. um uh, yeah i mean with those type of solutions, I'm going to take a. And I'm trying to think of a, another example. For example, uh, node-based development, right? In uh, taking Unreal Engine again, you know, uh, Unity is, is doing that, but then Substance Design is starting to do that. So we're seeing a pattern. I say, like, this actually worked. We're going to, you know, worked in this context. Does it work in this context? Yeah, it works in this context. So we can do it in other ways. And people are inspired by that, right? And they build their own software. In wherever, I'm not just saying that, you know, someone will see, for example, um, dialogue trees. I'm just making stuff up here, right? <laughs> and they go, I, I need to build a tool for my my game. But I've seen that, that dialogue trees work in that context. I need to do a, I don't know, quest tree. Maybe if I use that same thing, I can, same paradigms. And it's these things that, like, feed upon yeah. themselves. But but only, that only works if people start sharing it and start people releasing it. Yeah. and it, you know having said like a negative thing about the games industry i've learned so much in the last uh, whatever four years or, or five years that i've been that i've been in it uh through gdc through videos like a lot of 
GDC stuff and a lot of people coming up on their presentations. And it's interesting to see how open people actually are from, from the game industry, from AAA mm. especially, um, post-release, right? They're like, we've solved this problem. This is how we solved it. This is the challenges we face, and this is how how we did it. And develop, for example, at develop and talks at develop, people are very, very open to talk about them. Yeah. Considering that the rest of the time it's like, no, I'm under NDA. I can't tell you what anything. Yeah. What's your name? I can't tell you that. I'm it's under it's, NDA. You know? It's a weird thing, isn't it? Because obviously, I, I think the the balance there is that the the individuals involved, everybody who's like working on this stuff, is so excited to sort of like show off their solutions and share their solutions, and you know, see other people use those solutions to make their games better. Um, mm -hmm. But obviously, as a corporation um it's more important to sort of like uh have something that nobody else has so that um mm. uh and i think generally that is and i'm not talking about game industry i'm talking about like mm -hmm. many industries what corporations have to actually realize that what they have is the people in it because you might have some great technology and it's like the people that's actually going to implement that and it's not the ideas the implementation that really matters so yes you can have like a meta human right you give me a meta human and an hour and it'll be just pretty much crap because i'm not very good at this you get a skilled artist that's never met meta human before that doesn't know how to program it and give them an hour and they'll give you this whole you know a, a fantastic animation at the end of it so what's the difference there it wasn't the damn technology it was the the humans attached to it and the human experience so that's the the real asset to companies in my in my belief and that's why I treat your staff better i think that's an excellent thought to end on yeah <laughs> because we have been nice, for quite yeah. a while um, we have. because it's been fascinating it's uh, really enjoyed uh jane with you mark like well thank you for having me on this is always a pleasure um yeah so um Please uh, go and uh, check out Mark's um, uh, studio, uh, Command Studio, CMD Studio. Yeah, CMD um, Studio, stud.io. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, I look forward to seeing your um, your teaser trailer. Oh, yes, That's... soon. Soon. Yes. Yeah. Maybe when this comes out. Uh, that's a good point. It could, If it's that soon, then it could well be. Um, yeah. In which case, we can link it in the show notes. Um, awesome. <laughs> until then, uh, please thank you for uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we are Game Dev London. You can uh, go and uh, join in our more community chats about uh, game development, uh, all things related to uh, games, at our Discord. Uh, and we have lots of other podcasts such as this one and uh, live streams on our Twitch channel. And you can find all of that stuff at gamedev.london. Um, until next time. Uh, Thank you. Thanks very much for watching and uh, see you next bye time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye. <laughs>